necessarily be related <clears throat> directly, hopefully all related, and that God is in them. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Second Timothy 2. That's where we were last week. If you weren't with us last week, we, um, we spent some time talking about um, this fact that we are in the middle of a battle, a spiritual battle, and there is a, um, a higher reality than the one that we often see and are aware of and that the world is aware of, and, um, and that as believers, we've, we've heard that. Um, scripture tells us that we have been given tools to engage in that battle. The armor of God is ours for that purpose so that we would fight and fight well. Um, and most importantly, we have the victory of Jesus um, that is already. And we fight from that victory um, in this battle. And um, And just how we can't afford to not engage. We can't afford to be um, as if we are not in a time of war, um, when in fact we are. And, um, and uh, so just that encouragement, right? And if you didn't hear that message, I would um, invite you to go listen to that, the website. Um, I want to follow up first with uh, sort of, the continuation of that word, and was just talking with Luke a little bit after the service, and um, I just felt like it was a really good reminder of what that battle entails. And um, yes, we have the victory through Jesus, and it's already ours, and we fight from that. And um, and uh, but it's not without cost for us. You realize. Um, the battle is not without a cost, and it, it actually really, I think, flows on the end of what you shared, John, which is that to be in this battle and to engage in warfare means that um, that it will cost us something, and it, it means that there's something required of us. It means that there is um, there is the reality of what it means to be in that war actively engaging and fighting and um second timothy we read this passage we're part of chapter one and part of chapter two last week and i want to read the second half of chapter two because it goes on to talk about um this aspect of of suffering that is part of the fight that we're in. So we want to be, if we want to walk in Jesus' victory, what Scripture says we have to actually also walk in his suffering. Um, And so it's not one without the other. And there's this aspect of of suffering for the gospel that um, perhaps some of the church is more aware of than others. (laughs) And we just need to acknowledge that. Um, and even the degree to which some of the church is aware of that in a way that, that we're not, um, we have to acknowledge that. And it's not something to feel bad about, 
But I think, in fact, it's something where God wants to bring us into the reality that if you want to engage in this, there is going to be a cost and there is going to be suffering involved. And if you're not okay with that, then when it comes, um, you won't know what to do with it. Or you'll shrink back or you'll think that it's in some weird way God um, punishing you. Um, or you'll be confused. And, um, and so I, I just want to very simply remind us that that is part of this. And what Scripture tells us and what the saints show us and what the church as a whole has shown us through history is that it's worth it. That it's always been worth it. That there's nothing that we could give up that isn't worth giving up to get what we get in Jesus. And to see others receive that as well. And so, in fact, actually, what we have to do is, is turn our focus to that, that it's, it's, it's worth it to fight. And it's worth it to put ourselves in the middle of this and to sacrifice and for it to cost us something because something greater is being gained. All right, so I'm going to read this. Um, 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 8. This is what he's reminding him. This is what he's reminding the church. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. That's so powerful. (laughs) That's so powerful. And what that tells us is whenever we sow a seed for the gospel, something is happening. You might feel limited in your conversation, but when you sow a seed for the gospel, something is happening. You might feel shut down by someone when they say no to your face, but something is happening. Paul was in prison, but the gospel was still spreading. Because the gospel can't be stopped. The kingdom is advancing. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. So he first realizes that God, his work, is going to win. And it is winning. And then he also realizes that the suffering that is taking place for him, the cost, it's worth it for the sake of of those that are come, going to come to know this glorious gospel that he's discovered. And so we, we want to fix our sights on the reality that Jesus is worth it, and when we give something up, we're giving it up for him. And we get him, and we get the greater intimacy of the fellowship of his suffering. And at the same time, that... Others have the opportunity to get him as well. That's what this fight is about. It's about us joining in the advancing of the kingdom of God so that others could know him, so that others could be there with him in glory, just as we have the privilege to be there with him in glory. And we only get one shot at that. This, this one right here. We get one shot at that. So I don't know what it looks like, but I just feel like it's important for us to be grounded 
in that. Because as we're talking about this, and as I believe as we as a church are rising up in boldness and stepping into, into greater purpose in God, and as we begin to fight, engage in this, the enemy would seek to discourage us from that. And one of the ways he would seek to discourage us is through the opposition that comes against us that's painful. And to just be like, um, maybe I'm not doing something right. Because this is, feels difficult. Or things are coming against me. And not if, but when that happens, I feel like God just wants to remind us He's worth it. And, and the seeds that are sown for His kingdom, they will bear fruit. Amen? It's a simple word, but um, yeah, I just want to pray into that and I'm going to transition to something else. So I want to pray into that for us that we wouldn't shrink back, that we would have boldness to to speak His name, to act on the, the things that He's calling us into in obedience, to not second guess, to not worry about what people think, to not let circumstances that come against us deter our affection and our attention from Him. So let's pray that. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the victory. And God, this gospel, we realize the truth is that the victory, it came through what you gave. It came from your life laid down came from the suffering of your body broken. I'm just reminded that it, it says that we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives as unto death. And God, that is how your church has advanced. That's how your purposes and plans have advanced from the beginning to now. Jesus, your blood is where our victory comes from. And God, we have a testimony that is growing. And God, help us as your people to not want to protect what would keep us I'm experiencing that victory. To not love our lives in a way that we lose. But to lose our lives and in doing so, to find them. That's your promise, Jesus. So God, I pray that you would just work in, into any fear, that you would just demolish it by your perfect love and that love that, um, that is, being, is being built up, is being sown into. 
And God, in the days of head, in the days ahead, God, and even in the things that we're right in the middle of, when, when we find ourselves in difficulty, when we find ourselves in painful places, when we find ourselves in circumstances that would seek to perplex us or confuse us, that we wouldn't be surprised by the trial that we're in the middle of because we would know that it's part of walking in your plans and purposes, walking in obedience with you. And God, that something great is taking place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, see where we're at. Okay. Maybe this is related. I don't know. Um, I was just thinking this week about the way that God does what he does. Meaning, when you think about um, how God has advanced his plans and his purposes through the world, how he's unfolded that, um, at the middle of that is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus. Are you with me? <laughs> so God has this plan for redeeming humanity, and at the center of that is Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. And, and, and connected to that is this thing called the church. So it's not Jesus in isolation, but Jesus interacting with humanity, right? So he comes down and he steps into uh, humanity as both man and God. And he interacts with humanity. And part of his interaction is he gathers, when it's time, he gathers a group of guys to be with him, to learn from him, to share life together. Like, we know this, okay? So I'm not just like, oh, wow. Um, but maybe this is just a little bit of analyzing um, this this week. So he gathers these guys, and in fact, because the story is so familiar, maybe we don't think about it, like the uniqueness of this plan, the way he did it. He gathers these guys, he calls them into the fold, they weren't really wanted, um, they were sort of doing their own thing, following their family's businesses, collecting taxes, not being liked. <laughs> Just come and follow me. Be a part of what I'm doing. Be a part of my plan, my purpose for humanity. And then eventually, as he's going to fulfill his ultimate purpose on the cross, um, he starts to unfold the plan that they are going to continue after he's gone, which is the establishing of the church. Right? with the help of his presence with them. No minor detail. And, and just thinking about that, that Jesus has his mission, and part of his mission is actually to be unfolded and fulfilled through the church, through those that were with him, 
through those that have encountered the truth of who he is and have now his presence abiding in and with us. And we are part of that. We're part of that lineage, that story, that family. And I don't know about you, but I was just thinking this week how crazy it is that Jesus picks us to be a part of accomplishing his eternal purposes. And and in fact, I think sometimes that feels so overwhelming. It's just like, God, are you sure that was a good idea? Are you with me? You're like, God, because if you really knew who you picked, you might be second-guessing that. Like, we're not the (laughs) all-stars. But maybe we are. Maybe we are. And I was just thinking about, in fact, like this isn't an accident. Like that's my point here. Is this isn't an accident. This is part of his plan. And when you really think about it, you're, you're thinking, if you try to add it, add it up, it's like, God, are you sure this is a good plan? And, you know, there are many shortcomings. Let's just be real. Individually, corporately, globally, there are many shortcomings to the church, right? And it's the reason that a lot of people don't want anything to do with the church, because they've seen those shortcomings. But you know what? This is the kind of father we have, and this is the kind of plan that he's committed to. He hasn't given up on this thing called the church. He hasn't given up on this church. He hasn't given up on you. And his plans and purposes unfolding through your life. That's amazing to me. And it says more about him than us. It says something about who he is. And I'm just thinking, and I'm asking myself this week, God, what are you doing? (laughs) What is it about your plan that is so good that you would stick with it? Even through all the failures, even through all the deficiencies. If you haven't thought about that, maybe ask him. (laughs) And you know what I felt like he responded with? I think that he's incredibly confident about his plan. (laughs) Even when we aren't. It's amazing. God is so confident about his plan. Like knowing all he knows about the, the, the history of his people and the ups and the downs, God is still as confident as he has ever been about his plans. And in those plans, his people, he's confident about his people. God being confident about his plans and God being confident about his people, they go hand in hand. Do you realize that? I mean, we could say God is confident about his plans, yeah, because he's God and he's going to make his plans happen. But he's confident about his people as well, which is amazing. And his plans and his people are not separate. They're together. So that's just amazing, isn't it? 
He's confident about His plans in you. You can't say He's confident about His plans and He's not confident about you because they're directly connected. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Here's where I'm going with that. I think it's amazing, and this just hit me this week, that He has chose us and He chooses us. He chose you and He still chooses you. It's not like He picked you before He really knew who you were and then He found out who you were and He's like, oh, I'm not so sure about this anymore. This relationship is not working out. No. He chose you and He chooses you. He chose us and He chooses us. He is sticking with us. (laughs) So we better get used to that. (laughs) His plans for His church have never wavered. His plans for humanity have never wavered. And those two things are directly connected. And I was thinking about it, and it's like, God, how can you be so confident? And you know what I felt like he said? It's because he has a secret weapon. He has a secret weapon, and we're talking about warfare. We were talking about this last week. You know what God's secret weapon is? Just take a guess. Anybody? What? Holy Spirit, yeah, that's a pretty good. I mean, he probably has more than one secret weapon. (laughs) Good answer. Anybody else? Jesus? Jesus! (laughs) Right? That's like, that's the safe answer. (laughs) Jesus! I feel like the secret weapon is love. The secret weapon is love. So yes, the Holy Spirit, through love. Jesus, through love. The Father, through love. The secret weapon is love, and this is what I mean by that. I believe that love is accomplishing God's plans and purposes. That's how they're accomplished. It's by love. And God knows it's how it, what? It's right, because it's who he is. But, but in a functional sense, the way that he interacts with us, and the way that, in fact, he brings us into his plans and his purposes, it's through his love. His love is the motivating factor. Like, even when we're talking about this fight, this fight is not out of duty. This fight is out of love. And I feel like we need to get that to sink into our hearts. Otherwise, we will burn out really quick in the fight. And I just feel like God was saying, my love is the secret weapon, and my love is the supreme motivator. Since the beginning to now and always, my love It's the thing that can do what nothing else can do. See, because in this plan and purpose of God, He didn't just enlist us all and say, okay, get to work and do it. As if we didn't have a choice. 
and as if all along the way we don't have a choice. So I'm thinking, God, you picked us knowing who we were, and you say you're going to be a part of my plans and purposes, and you're going to see the very kingdom of God advancing through you, and because of you, how's that going to happen? And God says, it's going to happen because my love is going to be at work. My love, as it takes root in your life, will move you, will move you to say yes, will move you to go with me into this, will move you to do things that you would never think of doing on your own, that you would never say yes to, things that are crazy. His love is the supreme motivator. Are you guys with me? And I felt like he said, as long as my love exists, so does hope. As long as my love exists, so does hope for my people and what I'm going to do in and through them. As long as love exists, so does hope for humanity. So does hope for my plans and purposes being accomplished. And love, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And I just feel like God is is wanting us to come in line with that. Wanting us to come in line with that. That's how love works. It's reciprocal. God say, I love you. And if you let me love you, it will take you places in me that you can't go any other way. So will you? Will you align yourself with my love for you? And will you let my love for you propel you forward in my plans and purposes for you and through you? I feel like that's the question. This is a question for each of us. Will we let God's love sink in and motivate us in a way that nothing else can? And so there's something that's required of that. It requires that we nurture that love. It requires that we tend to it. It requires that we protect it. Just like any other meaningful relationship. It requires that we are attentive to it. It requires that we open ourselves up to it. Receive it. Give it. And so I just want to draw our attention to that. That we would sow into that area. And we would let God sow into that area. And we would ask ourselves, not even how am I doing? We would ask ourselves, am I letting God love me? We would ask ourselves, am I nurturing this love? And we would let that take us somewhere. So I just want to pray that for us. I think we're going to close on that tonight. I just want to pray that for us. I just feel like um, as we tend to this love, and you can go ahead and close your eyes, as we tend to this love that 
that things are going to continue to awaken. Awaken in our hearts. And I believe that as we tend to this love, you know what? Things like fear, they're just going to shrink more and more. The things that God might be calling you to that you haven't felt able to step into because of fear, the way you deal with that is through love. Because love is what casts out fear. And so, God, we don't, we're not even going to focus on the shortcomings. We're not going to focus on the deficiencies. We're going to focus our hearts on you, our affection on you, and your affection for us. God, I thank you that you are confident in your children. And you are confident in your plans and purposes in us and through us. And God, we just humble ourselves again to receive that, to believe that. Like children before you. God, awaken, awaken our hearts by your love by a deeper encounter of your love for us. Of the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit in complete unity poured out. God, I pray that in every area that you've called us to, into each person that you've called us to, in the relationships that we have, God, in the work that you've called us to, in the responsibilities that we have, God, and all that is to come that we haven't yet discovered. God, let love grow. Let love increase. Let love be our motivation. Just as it's yours. God, wherever there's duty, replace it with love. Replace it with love. Just take a minute and might even just put your hand over your heart and or just open your hands and just take in the love of the Father for you. Just say yes to it today. Fresh to say, God, I I receive your love for me. I receive your love. I thank you that you've said I'm worthy to receive your love. You've chosen. You've chosen me. You've called me by name. You've created me. 
is one wonderfully and fearfully made in your image. In your image. And God, you've called me. You've called me into your family. Thank you, God, that this love looks like a family. And I'm in it. I'm a part of it. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And I get to take part and taste of the abundance of your house. The abundance of knowing you. The abundance of fellowship with you. There's no short supply. There's no short supply. God is not short on His love for you. He's not short on time for you. He's not short on attention or affection. He's not short on words for you. Words of affection, words of love, words of encouragement and comfort and strength. And so as you receive His love, just receive His Word for you. He says, I love you with an everlasting love. And I want to pour out my heart to you. Expect that. Believe that. Receive it. Jesus, thank you. Thank you today. God, you showed us just how costly, just how costly it was to love. And in that we see just what it was worth to you. And we bless your name, Jesus. We bless your sacrifice. We receive it again today afresh and new. We receive your sacrifice on our behalf. As we come to the table, we come to receive just what it was that you gave up, your body, broken for us and your blood your perfect blood poured out shed for the sin of humanity for the purchasing of our lives so today we come to the table with gratitude full hearts And as we receive, we receive your love and the love of the Father and the love of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray.